Good afternoon. Welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Luan Scrivener, a student at Redwood Coast Montessori High School. The Eco News Report is brought to you by the North Coast Environmental Center, publisher of our regional environmental newspaper, Eco News. Joining me in the studio to talk about the Humboldt Martin is Tom Wheeler, the executive director of the Environmental Protection Information Center, or EPIC. Hey, Luan. Hey. Hey. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Martin. Okay. All right. So for those in our listening audience, Luan, you are now a scholar of the Humboldt Martin. You've studied the Humboldt Martin this past year, and so you're going to tell us about the Martin. So what exactly is a Martin? Can you give us a brief description of this cute little species? Yeah, sure thing, Tom. So the Humboldt Martin is a cousin of the wolverine, and so the wolverine and the martin are both members of the weasel family. So the Humboldt Martin can be described as a weasel-like small carnivore, and it's no bigger than a house cat. So picture that. So compared to its cousin, the Pacific Fitcher, which is another species native to Humboldt County, the martin has a sleeker body form, so more like a weasel. It's got lighter fur, and it's also got like a splash, I guess, of lighter orange fur that on its throat, but that splash can extend to its chest. So I, I, I think of them almost kind of like snakes. They have this big, long, elongated body, and I guess snakes aren't super fast, but these little <laughs> tiny legs, and they're able to just scurry across the forest floor really fast. They're, they're fantastic hunters. Their, yeah. their small body size makes them. All right. So the Humboldt Martin. Based on its name, it sounds like it's found here, but where else is it found and what kind of habitat does it does it need? So the Humboldt Martin, it's a native species of California. Right now, its population is basically confined to only Six Rivers National Forest, which is a shame because historically it's had a range from southern Oregon down to Santa Cruz, which is kind of crazy. But now there are only there are less than 100 left in the wild. So, yeah. All right. So... A forest dweller? What, what what kind of habitat does it need? So Humboldt Martins need old growth habitat because the structure that they need for habitat, it's it can only be found in the old growth habitat. So old growth habitat has snags, which are standing dead trees that have, many of them have hollows in them. And the Humboldt Martins use those as denning structures. So that's really important to any species. And then uh, old growth forests also have fallen logs and Humboldt Martins use that to hunt. So they'll like run along that the tree in order to spot prey. Yeah, they, they can use it as a little highway. They can yeah, just zoom exactly. up and down the, those fallen trees. And one thing that is really important to think about when thinking about Humboldt Martin habitat is these types of features that they require. Yeah, these standing these are... dead trees, snags, and these large fallen trees they take a really long time to develop, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if we get rid of them, if we cut down forests and we get rid of their habitat, it's going to take 100 years plus for these sorts of things to get back onto our landscape. Yeah. Okay. So we know about the Martin. Let's talk about what's harming it. Mm -hmm. All right. So what are the threats? Let's start with habitat modification. So what what is habitat modification? Because that kind of sounds yeah. like something that is not totally clear. Yeah. So habitat modification usually refers to something 
damaging habitat. It can also be positive. Like it can be like habitat modification, restoration, something like that. But in this case, I'm going to speak to habitat modification as a con. So the biggest modification that affects Martins is logging. So, you know, it, it directly influences Martins because it cuts out their habitat. It takes down the snags, it takes out the de- those fallen trees, it takes out the live trees as well. And then the second way that logging affects Humboldt Martins is called edge effect. So there's an edge to a habitat and an interior to a habitat. So the edge will be sunnier because there will be less trees. Predators will have more free movement there and also more invasive species can grow there. So, for example, like English ivy. And then the interior of the habitat is where our friendly martin would live. It's where it would have all the prey it needs. It would have the perfect habitat. So edge effect refers to when logging has fractured habitat, and each of those fractures acts as an access point for predators. So they can go in further to the habitat than they could have had the habitat not been fractured by logging. So to sum up, basically, edge effect is when the edge is making a difference in the interior. So when predators like bobcats or even Pacific fishers, which are cousins of the Humboldt Martin, they can access their territory, I guess, and eventually get to the Martin itself. And predation of the Hubble Martin is the number one known cause of death. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, the impacts on logging on some of the species that prey on the Martin. So something that we see is that if you cut down a forest, that's going to create really good habitat for, for some species, right? Yeah. What are some of these species? Well, <laughs> it can be for native species, but usually with more sun. And if I'm talking about like flora versus fauna, so plants versus animals, you see more invasive species. So like I said, English ivy, holly, stuff like that. We also see a lot of bobcats. We yeah, see bobcats, a lot of fishers. Fishers and gray foxes as well. Yeah. And, you know, all of, the, all of these critters prey on our Humboldt Martin. And yes. so while predation is an, a natural thing, right, we're going to have that in an unmanaged forest in, you know, the wilderness, let's say. We we are influencing, we're increasing the rate of predation when we have edge effects and when we have habitat modification. Yeah. All right. So poison. Poison is another kind of interesting one, and it, it's a hot topic issue. And I know that you've talked to some some people on, on poison. All right. So let, let's, let's talk about poison. Is it harming the humble Martin? And what kind of poison are we talking about here? So we're talking specifically about rodenticide. So, you know, it's a pesticide that is meant to deter animals. However, it is used in larger doses than perhaps necessary, which leads and results in ultimately the death of the animal that consumes this rodenticide. There's not a lot of data surrounding the Humboldt Martin in particular. More data surrounds the Pacific Fisher because there are more specimens to look at and to calculate, you know, because there's with a population of less than 100, you know, it's can be hard to track every single one of those. But pesticides and rodenticides have become a larger and larger issue surrounding, you know, the cannabis industry. And cannabis has been legalized, many know, but it's more focusing on like grows that are reach onto public land or tribal land. And these people, they use 
large amounts of these rodenticides on their product, which is, you know, the cannabis. And then they also use a lot of it surrounding their food because the people who live there in some situations, they just they just leave their food there and they don't want animals getting into their food for obvious reasons. You know, with bears, they can come back and once they realize that they have a food source high in calories, so they use a lot of those. And, and it's not just direct. The rodenticide isn't directly affecting, you know, the martin. It can be a little thing. So for instance, you can have, you know, a rodent, like a wood rat or a mouse. It'll come in, you know, it'll get a little nibble of a pesticide or something, and then it'll leave. Some way or on, on its journey, it will likely meet a predator. And in the case that this little rodent gets caught by its predator, that rodenticide will be transferred from that animal to the predator. So it's not just a, you know, short, sweet answer. There are long-term effects to rodenticide, whether it's, you know, you find that dead animal that's consumed the rodenticide right in front of you, or you don't even know it's happened. And rodenticide can outright kill an individual. It can also impact them in other ways. Yes. So what are some of the other ways that rodenticide may not be the direct cause of death, death but could be a, a contributing factor? Well, like I said, you know, if the Humboldt Martin eats prey that has, you know, made contact with a rodenticide, that's probably the most likely of scenarios. And yeah. Yeah. So it you know, it even a small amount of poisoning can affect an individual, right? Yes. So it can make that that Humboldt Martin that does have a little bit of poison in its system, it can make it not as good of a hunter, for example. Yeah. So like rodenticides, they specifically bind to enzymes in anim- these animals' bodies that are responsible for you know recycling and reusing vitamin K. So essentially, that means that this the rodenticide damages the animal's ability to produce key blood clotting factors. So it may not affect the marten directly, but if that marten gets injured, you know, fighting fighting something, it will not be able to, you know, produce cells that can clot the blood, which, you know, will have long-term repercussions. A couple of years ago, we had that big Ebola outbreak, right? Mm -hmm. Something that I thought was really interesting was Ebola kind of kills somebody in the same way that rodenticide exposure does. Mm -hmm. It it causes internal bleeding. It causes people to to bleed out if they do get cut. It's a very painful way to die, we know from humans. Mm -hmm. And so if if we think about that and we kind of transfer that to an animal – we we understand that it's not just a tragedy that an individual is dead from a population, but that that individual Martin likely suffered pretty extremely. Definitely. And the Martin, it's has such a small population that, you know, when one individual dies, it's not something that can be easily replaced. Like, this might be not the greatest example, but with, like with humans, if one person dies, it doesn't affect the population at all. Whereas if one Martin dies, that's, you know, one less Martin, but also one less Martin that can have, that can mate, that can reproduce and grow the population. So, I mean, yeah. you can, yeah, you can compare, but it's, there are 
a lot of disadvantages for having a small population. You know, that's, that being one of them. And fire is, is another one. So, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about fire. Mm-hmm. We don't really often kind of think about fire in the Redwood region. It yeah. is something that happens in other places, although we have had fires here, including yes. severity fires in the past. So how is wildfire, how could wildfire be a threat to a species like the Humboldt Martin that has a relatively confined population You know, it's just living on Six Rivers National Forest right now in California and a a relatively small population. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, redwoods are an incredibly fire-resistant species of tree. So only really high-intensity fires could burn through them. So fires are judged on severity. So it's low severity, medium severity, and high severity. Fire can actually be helpful thing for martins when it's a low severity fire because it can burn through a, you know shrub the shrub layer and make it more open so that when humble martins are you know running along their tree they can spot prey more easily but for high intensity fires you know it will just burn out everything and it that fire will eat basically everything because the fallen trees and snags it's dry fuel for the fire to consume. And so there goes a major part of hunting and denning structure for martins. And you know, the shrub layer, it can take a decade or two at most to regrow. But for the habitat that the martin needs, it can take centuries for it to come back. So fire, it depends. And it's really hard to calculate and watch a fire to make sure that it's high severity, low severity, you don't really know what the impact's going to be until you witness the damage afterwards. And if you look at Martin population, our Martin populations, the Humboldt Martin, they are less at risk for fire than Martins in, say, Southern Oregon, because those Martins live in forests that have trees that are more susceptible to fire. Luan, I, I, I so appreciate your ability to to provide nuance and in, in answers. It It's amazing. All right, so we're at our mid-show break. So we want to do a couple promos, and I'll go first, and then I'll throw it back to Luan. So this Friday, we have a mixer at the Epic headquarters from 6 to 9. It's also Arts Alive Night, or Arts Arcada Night in Arcada. So come by the Epic headquarters, say hi, have a beer, learn about our work, and then continue on and see some beautiful art and hear some great music. This Saturday is also the Scion Exchange at... At the Bayside Grange, this is hosted by the Humboldt Permaculture Guild, so you can come learn about fruit trees and their care and how to graft scions onto existing fruit trees and all sorts of really neat stuff. That is this Saturday at the Bayside Grange. I hope to see you there because I will definitely be there. All right, Luan, what do you got? So March 31st, Robocoast Montessori is throwing a Trivia Follies game, I guess. You can challenge your friends, your family to see who's can answer the most questions. It's a trivia game. If you want more information on this, go to robocoastmontessori.org. And then if you or you yourself or you have a family member or friend who's going into high school, who's a ninth grader right now, and you're interested in going to Robocoast Montessori High School, the school's having information meetings Tuesday the 13th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. And then we've got another one coming at... On Saturday, the 17th, from 9 to 10.30 a.m. So, yeah. 
and you get to go to school with Luan, which is which is a whole reason to go to Redwood Montessori by itself. And you know, I'll I'll give an unsolicited plug for Redwood Montessori. You know, what other school could produce kids that are this smart that can go on the radio and be so charismatic and give such great nuanced answers? They must be doing something right. So if you want your kid to do well, to be smart, to be cool like Luan. You should send them to Redwood Montessori. All right. So you're listening to the Eco News Report. Luan is your host, not me. I'm Tom Wheeler. My my host is Luan Spigner. And we're talking about Humboldt Martins. Yeah. All right. So let, let's return to the Martins. So there aren't that many of them left, right? You yeah. said that there are less than 100? Yes. Okay. Why should we care about the Humboldt Martin? That's a really great question, Tom. You know, there's been... There hasn't been very much awareness for the Humboldt Martin, for, you know, at least the public. You know, you never see those PBS specials on the Humboldt Martin. You see them about the lions in Africa and the polar bears. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. So it's difficult to build support for the Martin because we've got a mixture of two things, which is a little amount of time and a small amount of the species. But I think that People are dedicated. People have, people are the reason that awareness has been raised for the polar bears, for pandas, for lions. So I think it's just a matter of getting the word out there. And I think that the species that the world has are precious. They're important, whether they're mice or lions or elephants. And we're, on the North Coast, we're super lucky to have the redwoods. We're, we have a sp- tree species that's unlike any other. And these spe- this species acts as like the home for so many different species. You've got, you know, the Pacific fisher, the marbled murrelet, which you may or may not have heard of, which is an endangered species. So I think that it's really important that people come forward and support this animal because part of the reason it's super small is because human development has kind of made it smaller and smaller, not trying to guilt anyone into (laughs) trying to do anything, of course. But I think that people want to do stuff like people when they see something they're no matter who they are, there's always people want to help stuff like this because it doesn't matter just me or anyone else. And I think there's a lot that people can do so. All right. Well, let let's go to what people can do. Yeah. Take it away. What what can an average person do? So, first thing, and certainly not the last solution, would be to get the Humboldt Martin onto the Endangered Species Act at both federal and state levels. The Martin is not a species on either, which is kind of crazy because there's less than 100 left. So, currently, Epic is working on getting the Humboldt Martin listed at the state level. And it's also working progress on the federal level, I believe. So that would be a start. And then also, if we're talking about like rodenticide, you could use less and or just don't use any because in the wild, I mean, it might be different in a household, but if we're looking at an environment and a habitat, it is important to think about not just the species that you're directly affecting, but the species that you may or may not be offhandedly affecting. Cool. All right. 
So I, I'm really inspired by you, Luan. You're a young person who is interested in conservation, interested in species. You're like me, but just smarter and younger. <laughs> so why, why, why the Martin? Why are you interested in this? How did you get going on this project? The first reason, the first time that I heard about the Martin, like ever, was when my freshman class visited UTOM at Epic last semester. I got really interested when you started talking about the political side, and that mixed with my disbelief that there are less than a hundred left in the wild. So I think it was a mixture of the two because. And this might sound kind of cheesy, but I do really like looking at the environment. I really love what we do in our science class. And I also am really interested in politics. So for me, this was like the perfect mixture of science and politics. It was like match made in heaven. And also in our science class, we were talking at, about the political side of environmentalism and basi- basically how human impacts affect Earth. So... Yeah, it was perfect. Cool. So so do you feel hopeful? How do you feel looking at the future when you're thinking about something like endangered species? What what as as somebody who's in high school who's about to take over the world, how how are you thinking? I'm thinking that there's a lot to be done, but I think that it can be done. It's you can't be sit still on a moving train. And I think that there is a sleeping giant in my generation with kids my age. And we're just getting to that point where all of this endangered species, it's starting to like really, really dawn on us that this is the world that we are going to step into. And it's, it's also just about finding the right steps and finding the right place to start. So, yeah. And I'll I'll take just a sec to to give a a stern lecture to all the adults in the listening audience. We have an obligation as well to to people like Luan and to the Luans who have not been born yet, right? So to the next generation and to generations to come, that we were fortunate enough to be graced with this planet that has such amazing biodiversity, things like the the Pacific Fisher the Marble Murillette, the Humboldt Martin, the Redwoods, from big to little, we were born into an amazing place. And I think that we have an obligation to keep it an amazing place for for people like Luan to inherit, for Luan's kids to inherit, for future generations, seven generations into the future, right? Mm -hmm. So there are a couple things going on right now that I'll talk about for the conservation status of the Humboldt Martin. So we are trying to get it protected, as Luan said, at both the state and federal level. So we are we filed a listing petition for both Endangered Species Acts, the State and Federal Endangered Species Act. The state is currently sitting on our listing petition and is not doing much movement on it. They are overdue in coming to a decision on whether or not to list the species. So if you're concerned about this, I suggest that you write to Chuck Bonham, head of the Department of Fish and Wildlife, and tell him to, to get on it and make a recommendation on whether or not to list the species. To contact Senator McGuire or Assemblymember Wood and tell them that you care about this and that you're tired of delays. On the federal side, the feds declined to list the species. 
And so Epic sued them. And we won in federal court. And the federal judge has told the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to redo their decision, to follow the law and follow science. And they have until October 2018 to come to a, a, a new decision. So there, there's not much we can do about that other than cross your fingers and think good <laughs> thoughts. So yep. if everyone in our listening audience could do that, I'd be appreciative. Luan, I'm I'm so thrilled that you are interested in the Humboldt Martin. I'm so thrilled that you are taking up the cause of conservation and that you are such a great articulate advocate for the species. So thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. All right, let's do some more promos and then we can call it. All right. Yeah. All right. So this Friday, so tomorrow for our listening audience, we are going to have a mixer at the Epic headquarters before Arts Arcata. So come on by. We're going to have some art. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to have some fun. You can ask some questions to me about the Humboldt Martin or other things that Epic is working on. So that is from 6 to 9 at the Epic headquarters, 145 G Street, kind of by the Arcata Marsh or by Humboldt Pet Supply. And then on Saturday is the Scion Exchange. So it is this cool event put on by Humboldt Permaculture Guild where you can go and they have workshops on how to care for your fruit trees, how to prune your fruit trees, and they have scion cuttings that you can take home. So you can learn how to graft a tree and then take home a little piece of a tree to graft onto your existing apple tree. It's really neat. It's a volunteer production from the Humboldt Permaculture Guild, and that's this Saturday in two days' time at the Bayside Grange. Check it out and check out the Humboldt Permaculture Guild. There are a bunch of really cool people doing a bunch of really cool stuff. All right. So March March 31st, RCM, or Rebel Cosmon Story, is putting on Trivia Follies. So challenge your family, your friends for epic bragging rights and prizes and all things trivia, all questions. For more information, go to rebelcoastmontessori.org. If you want to go to Rebel Coast Montessori High School, or if you know someone who's looking at high, different high school options, um, there are information meetings February 13th from 6 to 7.30, and then another one February, Saturday the 17th, 9 to 10.30 a.m. Cool. All right. Luan, want to do the outro? Sure. This has been the Eco News Report. My name is Luan Scrivener, and I've been your host for the past half hour. I was just speaking with Tom Wheeler, the executive director of the Environmental Protection Information Center, or EPIC. If you have any questions or comments about this program, please call our listener comment line at 826-6089. If you'd like to replay this interview or share it with others, you can go to archive programs page at khsu.org. You can also subscribe to the Eco News Report on your favorite podcast app for your on-the-go listening pleasure. The Eco News Report is produced at Humboldt State University in cooperation with the North Coast Environmental Center. Many thanks to Fred McLaughlin for engineering. Join us again next week right here on the Eco News Report. <laughs>